I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I don't no, know you're it. right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who's who we have tonight? Uh, I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. As many of you know, I've been a television reporter for many years. In fact, Next month in May, it will be 42 years as a television reporter. You may remember the phrase that I uttered during the Washington investigation, the Virginia investigation, when I confronted John Kennelly for the second time in two days. And I said, I've been in television for 24 years and I've very seldom been at a loss for words, but I don't know what to ask you first. And that was true. What's amazing to me is 18 more years or so, 19 more years, has gone by since I confronted John Kennelly outside that McDonald's. And we're still out there confronting predators. But one of the benefits, I suppose, of having been on television and doing this sort of work for so many years is that people become viewers followers, if you will, people become very loyal and they become familiar with you. And I suppose there are some people on television, public figures who don't like that. And while that comes with some criticism in the media or on digital platforms, it also comes with, you know, a lot of applause. And so I always try to shut out the applause and the negative comments and, and operate someplace in between. Sure, I look and I take it into account. But what means most to me is when I'm out in public and someone takes time out of their schedule to approach me, to talk about my work, whether it's the predator investigations, past the new ones, the takedown investigations now on True Blue. And a lot of people want to talk about True Blue. But I think it's important to engage when somebody does approach you. And to be open and spend time. Because without people who consume your content, what are you? And just last weekend, 
My wife, Gabrielle, and I were out running errands. As you may know, we have a place in New York City and a a place in Michigan, where both of us are from. And we were in Michigan, suburban Detroit. And a fellow approached me at a Starbucks. We were getting coffee. And he was with his wife and their young child. And, And super nice guy. I didn't ask him permission to use his name, so I'm not going to use it. But he's from Shelby Township, which is sort of on the east side. You'll know who he is. And he was talking about the podcast, and, and he said to me, you know who you should profile in one of your future episodes? And I said, no, who's that? He said, Aladdin. Aladdin. Sure enough, he surfaced, Aladdin did, in the same investigation where John Kennelly naked guy, special guy 29, surfaced. And I had forgotten about Aladdin. Aladdin Shamul was his name. His screen name was The Sphinx 59. But because this gentleman brought it up, that is exactly who I'm going to talk about on this episode of Predators I've Caught. Aladdin was quite the character. And once... This fellow brought it up to me. It all came back to me. You may remember Aladdin yourself. Aladdin was one of those guys who had his excuse ready, almost like it was in his back pocket when he walked into our sting house in Herndon, Virginia, which is just outside of Washington, D.C., as I mentioned. So he has this sexually charged conversation with a perverted justice decoy posing as a girl named Sarah, who said she was 12. Lil Angels 93 was her screen name. This was a profile that was unmistakably under age 12. So that stuck out to me at the time because 12 was on the younger range of the ages of the decoys we used. Now remember, this particular sting was the second one we did. We had done the very first predator investigation in Beth Page, Long Island in February 2004. And this was fall, September, late August, early September of 2005. And we had honed our techniques and we had become more comfortable with our working relationship with perverted justice. We had a beautiful home and I'll get to the home shortly, because it plays into Aladdin's excuse. And it was also good timing for me because after having done the first investigation, I became a little bit more comfortable in these spontaneous interviews. Now, as you can imagine, I mean, the first investigation in Beth Page, and I've talked about this, I was just trying to keep my heart in my chest and out of my throat as I approached these guys. Now, Ronnie Knight was there to provide security, but we did not, in those first two investigations, collaborate with law enforcement. Aladdin, like many of the others who surfaced in the Virginia, D.C. investigation, were prosecuted. And I'll tell you about what happened to Aladdin later in this podcast. But there is no doubt as to what Aladdin Shamoon, a.k.a. the Sphinx 59, had in store for this 12-year-old girl named Sarah. 
Lil Angels 93. Let's take a look at the chat. It starts out as most chats do. Hi, hi back. Where are you in Virginia? asks the Sphinx 59. Ferndon, oh cool. What's your ASL? the girl asks. 35. Alexandria. Not 35. Actually, the Sphinx 59, a.k.a. Aladdin Shamoon, was 45. Decoy says, K, I'm 12, female Herndon. Oh, you're real young, he says. You like older men? Not. I shouldn't be talking to you. I'm not going to talk to you. This is inappropriate in every possible way. Oh, you're real young. You like older men. Depends, I guess, says the decoy. Okay, have you met any guys from online? Nope, still looking. Lots of people are fake on this thing. You're right, I agree. You have a boyfriend? Okay, now this is... Four minutes into the chat. Nope, not now. Are you a virgin, he asks. LOL, yeah. Really? Never had sex, honey? She's 12. Not even oral? Yeah, I've done BJs. Really? He says. Yeah, I had a boyfriend, LOL. Just one guy? Yeah. Did he penetrate you? No. You just gave him BJ. Three times. Three times? Yep. You liked it? Yeah, it was cool, she said. You swallowed? Okay, she's 12. Swallowed what? The cum? No. So where did he come? In a towel, I think. Now he gets down to even more detail. Did he eat you? No, why not? Dunno. Rub your pussy? Yeah. Finger it for you? Yeah. You come? No. Fingers hurt. Fingers. He suck your boobs, nipples? Now this gets very graphic. And now it goes beyond being voyeuristic. He tells the girl, Little Angels 93, what he wants to do. 45-year-old man. I want to suck them for you. Meaning her breasts. They'll be bigger, LOL. LOL, you'll make them grow? Oh yeah, baby, he says. You like that? So what's your name? Aladdin. Now remember, this decoy is posing as a 12-year-old girl. No way. I'm serious. You like it? Where are you from? Originally Egypt. Oh, I see. When did you get here? Eight years ago. Why did you come here? Immigrant. Why? I like to travel. It was my dream to come to the States. That dream's gonna turn into a nightmare very soon, Aladdin. You like it here? It's okay. Just okay? He doesn't want to talk about his history anymore. He wants to talk about the future. You think we can meet? Dunno, maybe. Think about it, okay, baby? Okay. Just for fun, LOL. Yeah, he's gonna have some fun, okay? More talk about the boyfriend. How he's going to lick her nipples. Suck her titties. Rub your nice pussy gently. Decoy asks, why don't you have a girlfriend? No, not now. Why not? Broke up last November, he said. Now, this is a 45-year-old man talking to a 12-year-old girl. It didn't work out. It was on, off. Gee, I wonder why. Such a nice guy, Aladdin. I see, she says. Will you be good to me, baby? LOL. Yeah. Oh, honey. 
but don't ignore me, please. She got gooped by some bots. You sound a very nice girl. Can I just add you to my list, please? Yeah. Okay, thank you, honey. Now, we made the deal. Okay, baby. Then, the girl, just to drive the point home, tells Aladdin that she's going to summer camp. He wants to come over, but she's got to go to a bonfire. Asks if they can talk later in the week. Wants to know when she finishes her summer camp. Another conversation. He's sexy. Hi, baby, he says. How are you, she asks. Good, you? Then there's talk of what he does for a living. He says he's a waiter in a hotel. Restaurant. She asks, which one? He says, the Holiday Inn. Are you the head chef? No, a waiter. Oh, I see. He wants to know if she's ever been there. She's 12. If she'd been there, she'd been with her parents. Which he asks about. You live with your parents? With my mom's. What'd she do? She tempts. What's that? Temporary work. What about your dad? Don't know him. How? He left before I was born. Okay, so now Aladdin sees the window open. Another potential for grooming. Dequay says she's drunk a lot and gone most of the time. Vulnerable. She drink, have sex with a lot of men, he asks. Some, I guess. Guys come to her place? No, she go out. So she doesn't care about you, honey. Grooming again. How old is she? 30. She's still young, yeah. Why are you asking about my mom's? Then he goes back and asks about her day at the camp. Swimming and stuff, she says. You go to school? No, it's summer. What do you do at home? I'm at camp. She reminds him. Then he asks, You have a nice ass, baby? I don't know. It's behind me, lol. I'll tease your asshole with the head of my cock, lol. Jeez. He asks if she can come to his place. She reminds him that she's 12 and cannot drive. I know we can meet halfway. You can use the subway. Because so many 12-year-olds use the subway by themselves. Then he wants to make a plan to come over, but he says, we must be safe. He gives the girl his phone number. There's a call. I like your voice. It turned me on. You have a very, very sexy voice, baby. I love it. More talk about his age. He admits he's 45. Says he's got a roommate. Talks more about what he wants to do, specifically about oral sex. Wants to be deep in her mouth. Repeats what he said before about the oral sex. He wants to perform on her. Then he even goes so far as to talk about bringing another girl into the act. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. They map quest. And he comes over. But not before one more confirmation of what he wants to do. So you will suck me. I'll try to kiss your juicy, hot, wet pussy. Good deal? If we like each other, she says. More of the same. And then finally she asks 
you're definitely coming here tomorrow, right? And the Sphinx 59 says, yes, honey, only if I am seriously sick or dead, I will take the day off. So I work four days this week. I took it off for you, honey. What a guy. So then, after describing what he looks like, he makes the trip from his house. And here comes Aladdin. How's it going? Good, sir. Good. Why don't you have a seat? Thank you, sir. Nice seeing you. Nice seeing you. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. Now, he walks in, and he looks pretty comfortable. He's got a bottle of water, unscrews the top, takes a big sip. And he's had a little bit of a chat with Adele, posing as the girl, but she's around the corner. Obviously, she doesn't look 12. She can pose as a young boy or girl, but she does the communicating from around the corner. So the first human he sees, Aladdin, is me when I come walking in. You heard the introduction, such as it was. Now, he doesn't know who I am. And remember, this is only the second investigation we've ever done. So he has no clue that this is for a television investigation. Shakes my hand, even. I'm guessing he thinks it might be the dad or a male relative, but he's still trying to sort it out. What you doing here? Ah, uh, just uh, hanging around. Just hanging around? Yeah, I know that the house is for sale. Oh, that this house is for sale? Yes, yes. And what made you thought that this house is for sale? I heard about it, a friend of mine. A friend of yours. That's right. He tries to convince me that the reason he's over at the house, our house, our sting house, is that she heard the house is for sale. And so apparently as a, a waiter at the restaurant at the Holiday Inn, he wants to buy this house in Herndon, Virginia. Now, I already know that the house is not for sale because I borrowed the house from a retired FBI agent named Greg Schwartz, who I've known since I was a reporter in Detroit and he was an FBI agent in Detroit. And he graciously allowed us to use his home in suburban Washington, D.C., Herndon, Virginia, for our sting operation. So I know he's lying. And now I'm getting comfortable enough in these interviews, spontaneous as they are, where I'll push it a little bit. And in this case, I'm going to push it all the way into finding out who told him the house was for sale. And I'm going to call that person. See how this plays. And what's the friend's name? His name is Hisham. And what's his phone number? Uh, he has cellular phone, seven, uh, 703. 703. Well, why don't I just call him and I can ask him uh, and maybe we can clear I all this up. I don't know exactly what's his uh, limits or what is he willing to pay or what location. All right, well, let me call Hisham real quick here. So now he says that the friend for whom he's there to check out the house uh, and then now the story transitions into... His friend may want to buy the house, but he's not really sure what his friend wants to pay. So he's trying to dissuade me from calling him. He's given me the number, so I placed the call. And uh, what's your name? Aladdin. Aladdin. 
If it is a wrong number, it will be 3283. I really think I've got this guy figured out. At this point, he's going to start telling the truth. But as you'll see, this isn't over yet. All right, it's Hesham, but uh, he's not picking up his phone. Yeah, I got his phone now. I get Hesham's voicemail. And now we're going to dig a little deeper into Aladdin's alibi. So I just want to get the story straight. Hesham, your friend, yes. said, hey, I know about this house that's for sale. Yes. You said, oh, friend, I will go look at it for you. Yes. Out of friendship. Yes. And what would you think of the house? What did you say? What do you think of the house? Very nice. Yeah. And how many bedrooms? Four? Four bedrooms. Four bedrooms, uh, two baths? Three baths. Three baths. Yeah. Two full and one half? Yes. He asks how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms. I tell him... And then I ask him why he really came here. And he admits it was to see the girl. So, Aladdin. Yes, sir. I think now is the time for you to tell the truth. Why did you really come here? Uh, to see, uh, what's her name? Uh, Sarah. Sarah. Yes. Sometimes, you know, that's all it takes. It's just you call the guy down and, and he comes clean. So all that other stuff about Hesham in the house and all that, that was all a big fat lie? Yes. Okay. Do you know how old Sarah is? No. He says he doesn't know how old Sarah, the girl, really is. But I go through the transcript and I circle the part where she says her age. And I slide the transcript across the kitchen island so Aladdin can see it. What is that number right there? What does that say? She tells you that she's at a summer camp. I got to go to a bonfire. What is bonfire? Bonfire is when you sing around the campfire in the summer camp. You know she's a child. She told me 18, sir. He's going to try one more time to convince me that she said she was 18. I'll remind him that there was talk of summer camp and 18-year-olds don't go to summer camp. Sing around the campfire, all that. And he had to say If what you've heard shocks you so far, join us back in a moment. And then I get into some of the more sexually explicit things he said. You have a nice ass, baby, you ask. She says, I don't know, it's behind me. And you say, I'll tease it with. This can be the point in the interview where, you know, things get heated, but uh, I had no idea about what was going to come next. Then you say, so you won't be shy after a little bit. You say, great, good girl. Now, Aladdin does something I had never seen before. I've seen it since on a couple of occasions. But as I continue to confront him with these sexually explicit things he said to someone who identified themselves as being a 12-year-old girl, Aladdin 
looks faint. And he literally slides off his bar stool at the kitchen counter. He doesn't lose consciousness or anything, but he, he gets down and he lays down on the kitchen floor. Literally. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? Just a little bit of You okay? I am fine, just kind of. He says he's fine, but he's literally lying down on the kitchen floor, not saying anything. And I don't really think he's in distress. I don't think he's having a heart attack, maybe a bit of a panic attack. But he's not breathing heavy. He's not clutching his chest. He's just lying there. And now I'm trying to figure out how the hell do we handle this? So what do you do? Do you call an ambulance? Remember, this was before we collaborated with law enforcement. Offer him some water. Did that. End the interview and have him leave. Well, that's sort of what happened, but not before a little bit more drama. He pulls out a handkerchief and wipes his forehead. So he literally climbs back up on the stool and we continue the interview. But does that mean it's right for a 45-year-old man? No, sir. And now I'm pressing him on his age and whether or not his behavior is appropriate. And for a second time, he goes back down on the floor. Uh, just, uh, 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 Would you like to leave? No, 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 sir. Just, I'm kind of... Uh, uh, I'm shocked, to be honest with you, sir. I lied about myself, I lied. And I'm not that kind of person, sir. Uh, All right, if you're not feeling well, perhaps you should just go. No, sir, I'm okay. Again, I suggest that if he's not feeling well, he should go. He says, no, sir. And then he admits something about himself. Just I feel bad about myself. He says, I feel bad about myself. Meaning he knows what he did was wrong. And finally, I tell him who I am and what we're up to. Well, before you leave, there's one thing that I need to tell you. I'm Chris Hansen of Dateline NBC. Okay. And we're doing a story on computer predators. And if there's anything else you'd like to say, we'd like to hear it. And if not, you're free to leave. Anything against me at the moment? For charges? Yes. No. Yes. Not that I'm aware of. I do apologize, and I promise to be a good man for the future. And I apologize for the lies. I want to just to justify the reason for me to come here. After the crew comes out, he promises me that he's going to be a good man in the future. Never going to do this again. He wants to know if there are any charges against him. And of course, because law enforcement's not involved at this point, the answer is no. And then the phone rings, the same cell phone I used to call Aladdin's friend. That was part of his whole story. So I pick it up before he leaves. 
Hello? Yes, it, I called by mistake. I had the wrong number. I apologize. Okay, that's not a problem. Bye. I thought that was Hisham, but wrong number. I apologize. Okay, that's not a problem. Bye. I thought that was Hisham, but it was the other phone number. Okay. But it was not Aladdin's friend. It was the person who has the number I dialed before I got the right number for Aladdin's friend. This woman had no idea what she had just dialed into. Aladdin gets up rather disoriented, but makes his way out of the kitchen, through the garage, back to his vehicle, and off he goes. Now, Aladdin was ultimately prosecuted for crimes associated with his solicitation of a underage girl. He and several others were prosecuted by the Fairfax County, Virginia authorities. A couple were prosecuted by the federal authorities because they crossed state lines for, in the case of the rabbi, David Kay, who also surfaced in that investigation, he was investigated by the FBI. So what happened to Aladdin Shamoon? Well, he never did go to trial. And it wasn't because there was a plea bargain. Aladdin, as far as we can tell, absconded. And there is evidence that he went back to Egypt, where he continues to live today. A fugitive from justice. There is still a warrant out for his arrest. I doubt I'll be hearing from Aladdin, although we do have some listeners in the Middle East. More of our story in a moment. As you know, I like to hear from all of you, listeners, from all over the world. This week's question comes from Joplin and Lena, who live in Kentucky. And might I add, this is the first time that a couple has surfaced in one of my investigations. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. This is uh, Joplin and Lena from Kentucky calling you here. We're actually watching your new takedown with Chris Hansen from True Blue right now on YouTube. And we noticed something during the interrogation of one of your new suspects, which was the bracelets you wear on your wrist um, opposite your watch. We were just wondering, because they're also featured in the podcast thumbnail, what the significance was of your bracelets, if they're from your family or a cause that you're very passionate about. We're just huge fans of your work, seeing, of course, all the TCAP stuff and listening to every episode of the podcast. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Keep doing it. And thanks for your answer if you get around to it. Appreciate it. Thank you both for checking in from Kentucky. I appreciate it very much. And it is nice to answer a personal question once in a while. So thank you for asking. The bracelets I wear next to my watch and opposite my watch do have significance. One of them, the solid silver bracelet, I got in India in about 2002 doing a story on child slave labor in India. A big undercover story we did for Dateline. And it reminds me every time I look at it 
of the importance of doing reporting, enterprise journalism that helps protect children, whether it's in India or Cambodia or right here in the United States. And so I wear it. I never take it off. The other bracelets, the black ones, are from my lovely wife. One has a cross and the other has a skull. The significance? Most important, they're from my wife. Secondly, I just like them. I guess good and evil, death and life. Sort of like Enterprise reporting. Anyway, guys, thanks for checking in. I appreciate it very much. And thank you to that fellow from Shelby Township, Michigan, for suggesting that we do an episode on a Latin. Great idea. You can always reach me on various social media platforms at Chris Hansen on Twitter, official Chris Hansen on Instagram. Have a seat with Chris Hansen on TikTok. One of our tease videos has like 3.6 million views now. Amazing. On True Blue, T R U B L U, watch TrueBlue.com for details. Our new streaming crime network featuring all new takedown predator investigations. And very soon, True Crime Nation, our news magazine, and several other documentary investigative series we have in the works that will be out soon. You should also know that just last week, my team and I were in Ohio on another predator investigation where six men surfaced in two days and some of the scenarios are absolutely mind-boggling. Guys who traveled four or five hours to meet a child. Those will be out soon. And as always, you can reach me right here at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.